0: Brittany Ross and I play the fiddle. I'm Catherine Blentgen and I play the pipe. And together we are Fiddle and Pipe, two classical musicians who are reading and discussing topics beyond the staff. So grab a book, take a seat, and tune in. I should turn myself the right way.
1: (laughs) Maybe I should sit
0: up. I gotta make it easy to start podcasting. Ooh, yeah. Why are we making it easy today? Because I want to make my habits easy,
1: so that Mm -hmm. way I'm more
0: inclined to do them.
1: Ah, that is a smart thing to do if we want to get into our habits a little bit more and more.
0: Hey, Bartok, let me know when you're done walking across my desk.
1: You know what doesn't make it easy is Bartok. He does not make it easy.
0: Oh my god, he (laughs) wants to get out. I knew that having you in here was a disaster.
1: Note to self, Bartok, not easy. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> so making it easy which involves not keeping Bar Talk in my room
1: i like this chapter title walk slowly never backwards
0: chapter 11 yeah it's all about making progress and i feel like i have to take a step back and apply that to every everything. part of my life
1: yes everything I was... ever i am the type of person that has to like do everything now i'm just gonna be very honest with you
0: and to all our listeners it's stressful (sighs) yeah i really try not to be like that but i feel like sometimes i am david and i have been doing this thing in our relationship recently that we call open communication Mm. like we all know what open communication is Mm -hmm. but we've been kind of using it as like a safe word where I say, hey, open communication, and then I can just start talking about whatever, and he has to be, like, really receptive. That makes sense. And it's been really helpful because we can just share things with each other without being anxious about how the other one is going to react to anything. Mm -hmm. But it's been really nice, and it's helped our communication skills so much. And last night, I got a little frustrated because I felt like he wasn't giving me something that I needed. And he looked at me, and he's like, you know this, like, Open communication stuff is not going to be an instant fix. It takes time. And I always tell him with various things, I'm like, two steps forward and one step back is not a big deal. It's all about your trajectory. It's all about the progress that you're making. And sometimes you have to kind of take a step back and see how things are going and see, are they going better? Are they worse? I
1: definitely can relate to this in some way because... I've noticed that between me and Woody a little bit more. Like We don't have a safe word or anything, but we have been more communicative to each other. We've been more open talking about Mm -hmm. things. Now I don't feel as frustrated with certain things because I think I've been a little bit more verbal and I'm saying it in a way. In the past, I've had this habit where I get so tense (laughs) if I notice things are not happening or if I notice that I'm not being listened to and then I react in Mm -hmm. that way, but... Lately, I've taken a step back from being tense and being like, okay, how can I explain this in a more calm manner? Like,
0: cohesive yeah. way.
1: I need to do that a little bit more often, even with you and with, like, my other friends and other people when I'm feeling stressed mm-hmm. and anxious and I'm trying to work that
0: out right now. It's mm-hmm. hard. <laughs> it's such a good skill to have. Like, with yeah. us, our tendencies are... I will over-communicate, and David kind of withdraws into himself and under-communicates, so this forces us to take a step back and think about how to, like, clearly convey thoughts, Mm -hmm. feelings, and ideas. I think that's why it's been so helpful, and I really want to apply it to other relationships too. It's nice to just take a step back and walk slowly. And it makes things better Mm -hmm. from what I've been seeing
1: within the last few months, even though I've been stressed out completely. I've noticed a big change in my relationship. I like it.
0: <laughs> I yeah. like it a
1: lot. It's it's definitely
0: been for the better. Mr. Clear opens up this section talking about motion versus action.
1: I thought you were about to say Mr. Clean for a second.
0: I always want to say Mr. Clean. And I don't know what James Clear looks like. What does she, he look like?
1: We probably need to Google.
0: Oh, my God. He's bald.
1: Oh, my God. He is Mr. Clean. <laughs> <laughs> is he
0: wow that is perfect oh
1: my god he is
0: <laughs> so mr clean talks about motion versus action <laughs> <laughs> that's canon now
1: <laughs> it is it is sorry but you know we're gonna make it work <laughs> it's gonna happen anyway you are saying
0: i i like that he makes it a point to differentiate these two so mm-hmm. in a passing glance these two things would seem very similar But motion is taking time to learn about the thing, and action is doing the thing. Like, actually doing it. Motion is, like, I guess if we use exercise, since that seems to be whatever (laughs) we talk about in every episode. It was in the chapter itself, or one of the chapters. Motion is planning when you're gonna work out... The logistics of getting there if it's not at your home, maybe doing research into what gym you want to go to, if you want to do a personal trainer, maybe if you want to do a diet program. Or a class. And then action is going to the gym, going for a run, actually doing it.
1: Oh, kind of speaking about that, this was a long time ago, which tells you something. And I think this was when I was living on campus or at least next to campus. But remember when you and I used to do yoga? Yes. We used to do it at night. Did we do it with Emily? Mm-hmm. Did we do it like a couple times or something together? And yeah, it probably died out because we got way too busy or something like that. But I remember like we kept talking about it. <laughs> We're like, we should do yoga again. And we never did it. <laughs> so we basically didn't make it
0: easy. <laughs> we did it in reverse. So we did the thing. And then we do the thing where people are like, yeah, I need to get back into that. And then they don't. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I do have another example, though, if that helps. Writing down that I need to practice versus actually doing the practice. Because sometimes yeah. what I'll do, and I've been doing this a lot lately, I write down practice <laughs> instrument in my planner. And I do it on days where I do have some time to squeeze it in. It's not like a priority. But then the day happens. <laughs> And then I'm like, oh crap.
0: <laughs> I just. I was supposed to practice.
1: I just erase it and <laughs> then I write it down for the next day and then I do the same thing again. I have come to the habit of just writing down practice, erasing it, and writing it again for the next day.
0: <laughs> That's why I like working out with coffee because it forces me to do something with time I would already be doing nothing productive. Mm -hmm. Or reading with coffee. I really like that he makes it a point to say that motion can be useful Mm -hmm. because it allows us to plan or learn more when it's actually needed, but we oftentimes use it when we are procrastinating, actually doing the thing, because motion alone doesn't produce anything, so we're basically feeling like we're making progress without fear of failing or failure.
1: I think I've just gotten more in the habit with things that pertain to motion. For me, that's writing out and planning out things. And Mm -hmm. then when things like practicing do come up, I'm like, oh crap, do I really have time for that? (laughs) And I don't end up doing it. This is just what I've noticed within the last month is I spend so much time sitting down and filling out my planner or filling out like a calendar for the month or something. I mean, I have to because it keeps me organized and makes, I have to make sure that like I have this, 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 and this going on and no double booking is happening, but I have noticed that I write down and I plan more than actually taking initiative and going with it. It's the same as social media planning because sometimes I'll have time for it, but when that day comes, Something else happens, and I'm like, oh, crap, now I don't have time for this. And then I get stressed out, and then I write it again for the next day, and then the same thing happens, and I'm like, oh,
0: So maybe, like, a little reward system would be a good counter to that. So David and I have a whiteboard on our fridge, and we tend to write chores that need to get done, groceries that need to be gotten, meal ideas for the next week. You guys are so nice and organized. (laughs) It's so satisfying because right now we have a whole list of chores because cleaning up from Christmas, we're trying to get the house organized, we have chores that we've been putting off, home maintenance kind of stuff, returns from Christmas, just a bunch of stuff that needs to be done, but some of it is small, annoying things, some things is large, like fixing a possible roof leak that we have. We crossed off probably five to seven things this weekend, and it's so satisfying for both of us to just walk up to the fridge and cross out the thing that we did.
1: Yes. So maybe that is you should true. do that
0: in your planner. Kind of write a realistic to-do list and the more things you cross out, the better.
1: Yes, I did that actually. I have this little thing of sticky notes right here. And I write mm-hmm. down like a to-do list to do for the week. And I have two things left on that thing. So Nice. I'm proud of myself. Yeah. I saw this last week actually, after our meeting. <laughs> mm. But yeah, I wrote down four things and I was like, I want to get these done in these next two weeks because I knew that I wasn't able to do it in a week. And I was like, I can do it these four things for the next two weeks and then I'll create a new list for the next two weeks. So yeah, let's see how it goes. I'll let you know (laughs) next week.
0: (laughs) Progress report. I thought it was really interesting that so many things go back to a fear of failure. That's why people procrastinate in general. I am a huge procrastinator. I am the opposite of you. (laughs) And I know we've run into that because we're business partners and we're BFFs. Whenever Catherine edits, she has it done. I am fast. Three, four days in advance. I'm like, it's done. I wait till Monday or Tuesday. And I sit for a few hours and I edit. I don't know how you do it. So I've been the same way since I was like in middle school. People who tend to be procrastinators also tend to be perfectionistic. I wouldn't really describe myself as a perfectionist, but maybe I am because I sat and reflected as I was making the notes and I said, I am a huge procrastinator and I find that it helps me focus on what needs to get done instead of everything else. I feel like that means I'm a perfectionist and I have anxiety. So I think that's what those two things mean. (laughs) I thrive really well under stress and pressure. It forces me to get the thing done. That's why I procrastinate.
1: I love you so much. I don't know if I could do that. (laughs) I would be
0: crying. That's just who I am and I'm fine with that. And probably somewhere deep down there's a fear of failure. Maybe I have a little bit of a professionistic tendency. But the worst kind of failure is failure not
1: to try. Is that the quote?
0: I thought you were just going to leave it at that. The worst kind of failure is failure. I was like, insightful words from Catherine.
1: You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) I really liked this section in the chapter where he talks about the different parts of our brain that are like for different, I guess, professions or for different people Uh, Like, Mm -hmm. how different parts are enhanced. Like, for musicians, the cerebellum is larger compared Mm -hmm. to
0: musicians, compared to non-musicians. This whole second half of the chapter can be applied to music.
1: Yeah, I just thought it was really neat how, like, different functions in the brain are used for specific careers or professions. Because, you know, musicians, their cerebellum. Is larger based on like the movements that we do. They're so repeated.
0: Do you want to know what I wrote in my notes?
1: What did you write?
0: (laughs) Habit repetition makes corresponding parts of the brain get larger, similar to body muscles getting bigger when exercising. No,
1: that is so true.
0: (laughs) But I put body muscles. What other kind of muscles are there? (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: well, there's the C muscle. (laughs) <laughs> like a clam. Oh,
0: oh, I see what you did there. Or, uh... <laughs> there like uh <laughs> you know, you were really trying to help me out, and I appreciate that. <laughs> you're such a good wingman. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though, and that's why brain parts are bigger in different people, is because the more that you use a part of your brain, the bigger it is going to be. Yeah. The more you're exercising it, the more you're using it.
1: Apparently, taxi drivers have a significantly large hippocampus.
0: Tell me more about your hippocampus.
1: (laughs) I know. I wish I could go back in time to 12 years ago and knock on my door, find 17-year-old Catherine and be like, hey, I know that you're going to college, but you should probably keep your anatomy notes so you can keep pictures like, you know, your brain or your muscle chart, all that stuff in use when you're a musician. Got it? (laughs) Good. Don't do it. Don't throw it away. I'm telling you, I learned all these parts back in the day, and I threw away my notes that following summer because I was like, I don't need this. I'm going to college. <laughs> I'll be fine. I'm
0: not going to use my brain.
1: It's I'm not going to use my Yeah, I'm not going to use my brain. Yeah, I thought that was just really neat how there are different functions that... Are just more enhanced compared to others, no matter what profession you're in. Because you're just repeating the motions, the movements, the thinking, and all that constantly.
0: Yeah, I like that he talks about neuron connections, because I talk about that a lot with my students. How long-term potentiation is the strengthening of neuron connections based on recent activity. And the more you repeat it, the stronger the connections get. Mm -hmm. Did you know that up until the age of 13 or 14 or so... We're basically little sponges, and we absorb information very rapidly, and we make neuron connections very quickly. But as we get older, our brains get rid of the connections that we're not using. That's why it's harder for adults to learn an instrument than a middle Mm. schooler. Or a foreign language, or a new skill. Kids are basically human sponges, and if we could use their brains and just get them to focus... (laughs) (laughs) they're just little learning machines that's crazy
1: i mean they are i'm kind of like going back to like what i was doing at that age um i was on myspace and i was learning basic coding (laughs) and i still remember (laughs) like basic stuff how to like edit your background the way that you want it and taking out things and adding things on your profile like that was what i was doing i was not practicing my instrument i could have absorbed a lot of knowledge of that time but did i no I was absorbing the knowledge of MySpace and social media. Weird. I'm pretty sure I <laughs>
0: ate a maple leaf because I thought it would taste like maple syrup, and it did not. So you could be like me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I feel like it makes sense that you that a maple would... leaf does not taste like maple syrup. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no it doesn't I mean that would be really cool but but anyway I hate everything our syrup production would be high if we had a maple
0: leaves made out of maple syrup that would be like fantastic I never said I was a smart kid you learned you learned it's okay sometimes you uh, code on social media and sometimes you eat maple leaves and you know what I just have to be happy with what I have Yum. <laughs> no, but I think it makes sense that you would be really interested in that stuff as a middle schooler slash high schooler, and then be also interested in it as an adult. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff about how repetition is key when starting a new habit, and I was literally like, wow, music, practice. <laughs>
1: I'll be really honest with you. I feel like that is a common saying I have in every single lesson I teach, mm-hmm. repetition patterns. And I mean... I kind of do something where I make a student, if they're going through like a rough time with a certain passage or something, or if like a 16th note run is really just messing them up the way Mm -hmm. the notes are arranged, I try to find ways how we can dissect it and make it feel less difficult when we look at it on the page and approach it in music. And so I do something with memory, memorization. And not just figuring out the pattern of the notes, how they're written, but also getting familiar with the pattern in your fingers. Just like you guys. I mean, do you guys see your fingers well on... I guess, like, you you hold the violin on this side, right? Your left side? Are you
0: asking if we see our fingers while we're singing the music? Yeah. We turn a little bit.
1: Okay. So you're able to see it clearly, right?
0: For the most part, yeah.
1: Okay. For flute, I mean... It is a little bit more difficult, especially when you're learning for the first time and trying to balance the damn thing because it's to your side and it's aimed at the right. So what I like doing with students when they get caught up in like a 16th note run or something is first I make them say out loud the order of the notes on the page, like E, G, F, B. Like that's the note order. And then what I Mm -hmm. make them do is I actually make them go in front of my mirror here (laughs) and I make them play those notes those four notes slowly and I'm like watch what you're doing with your finger pattern feel it get to know it a little bit more not just like what you see on the page and then I Mm -hmm. make them do it three times (laughs) slowly
0: I'm sure they love you
1: well I make them do it three times because the first time it's luck and then the second time like you did Mm -hmm. it again but still kind of luck but you know Mm -hmm. it better, and the third time, you, like, you got the skill right there. I've been doing this a lot with my students, but I make them do this where they play the four notes in front of the mirror, that way they can see it. Because I've noticed Mm -hmm. when they don't have the music physically in front of them to where they're, like, just dependent Mm -hmm. on what they see, they have a better idea of, like, what it feels like, how it goes. Sometimes we work the pattern backwards, so that way when they're playing it forwards, it's not so difficult. But I make them repeat these things at least three times to get it better in their system that way when they are playing the actual music in context or if they're at home practicing by themselves they're not so like stuck like oh, i can't get this note it's not right. coming out the way i want it
0: i learned in under i heard in undergrad that yo-yo Ma's, and i don't know how true this is but his practice technique was to play something at a certain measurement marking 10 times in a row perfectly and then increase the tempo by one hmm
1: You know, my teacher made me do that when I was younger. She would say, you need to play this as many times as your age correctly. (laughs) And she would make me do it in my lessons. Like, I'm not kidding you. And this was like when I was a kid. So when I was nine years old, I would be playing like a passage, like a tricky run nine times correctly. Mm
0: -hmm. But now that you're 40.
1: Oh, damn. We hit... (laughs) (laughs) in that one hour that we recorded earlier how much time has gone by?
0: (laughs) i didn't want to tell you but
1: (laughs) you great for your age i'm about to hit metapause like what's this
0: (laughs) i thought i just hit puberty (laughs) i hope you didn't just hit puberty i really hope so you (laughs) do i do not want to go back to that
1: sometimes i look at myself and beg to differ but you know Everyone's different. But yeah, I totally get that. Cause she would be the same way. Like she'd be like, you need to play this correctly. The amount of times, like how old you are. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay, I'll do that. It did help me in ways. Like I felt whenever I did hit tricky things like that I would review it over and over and over just to like feel a little bit better with the pattern. I wish I did a lot more things in my practice but you know, you learn, you learn. <gasps>
0: You get older. You turn 40. Yeah, you're suddenly 40. I really like that he says that time doesn't matter and only consistency matters. And the more frequently Mm -hmm. that you do the thing, the more ingrained it becomes and the less you need to actively think about it. Because Mm -hmm. I feel like that's what I tell every single person, whether it's practicing. (laughs) And I tell my students, you know, it's better to practice five minutes a day and actually do it than not doing it. Or if it's, like, exercising, it's better just to get out and do it. I mean, obviously, with all these things, more time, especially if it's time you're utilizing correctly and effectively, is ideal. But in order to make habits, you just need to do the thing. You just gotta start the thing. Yeah,
1: that's literally it.
0: Mm -hmm. Since we are repetitive people who learn via patterns, (laughs) it's just easier to... You know, if you only have five minutes, use the five minutes.
1: Yeah, exactly. Make it easy.
0: Make it easy. Chapter 12, the law of least effort.
1: So I really love this quote. It's on page 151 if you want to find it.
0: Follow along, students.
1: Well, he basically talks about that. We want to do the least amount of work as possible. That's just human nature. But I love this Mm -hmm. quote. Our real motivation is to be lazy and to do what is convenient. Very,
0: very, very, very true. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I feel that. Do you feel that? Yeah. I wrote, we are inherently lazy. We're made to conserve energy, which makes sense when we were hunter and gather societies. And before that. So given two choices, we'll normally do the easier choice.
1: So remember that little example I told you about with that lever key? And sometimes my students will put their pinky underneath that lever key. Yeah, I don't think of it as lazy, but I do think about this as like, you want to do the least amount of work as possible when you're like playing your scales or playing something in this key, especially if you have like a little scale run. And that's why Mm -hmm. keeping your pinky above the lever key is going to help you because you can just easily press it when you need it for A flat. You don't have to lift it up and make it over the key if you have it underneath the key. Okay? You get it? Do it. (laughs) I'm not bitter or anything.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I actually tell my students the same thing. Violin and viola are just inherently unnatural. There's not really anything that we do that mimics any sort of natural movement that we do with them. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes the way that we naturally want to hold the instrument and do things with the instrument is actually counterintuitive to how it should be played Mm -hmm. and what should be done. And I'm always like, why do you want to do more work? We are (laughs) Americans We have prided ourselves on being lazy. Why do you want to do more work? For violin, you are supposed to have your left wrist down. And what that means is your hand and your forearm should form a relatively straight line. Mm
1: -hmm. But
0: beginners, when they start, they oftentimes want to put their wrist up like you're a waiter and you're serving food or like you're cupping the instrument.
1: That looks not smooth at
0: all. Yeah, but that's how everyone wants to hold it because you're supporting the instrument with your jaw and your collarbone on the mm-hmm. instrument but that's not something we're used to doing so we want to support it with like our hand and our arm but when we do that it moves our fingers back so we actually play lower notes than what we mean to play mm-hmm. and it can hurt our tendons over time so it's actually counterintuitive and then you spend the whole time trying to correct your pitch when it's just a simple move your wrist down
1: yeah no that first movement this one just looks ah i'm like ugh, no
0: uh, i ask my students and when i explain it to them i'm like why do you want to do more work
1: I said that to one of my students the other day. I'm still teaching them early on. I got them last month and started teaching them in the middle of December. So we were trying to get out some low notes of our flute and they kept doing this, like tilting their head down. And when you tilt your head down, and especially if you're like trying to get low notes for the first time, or if you wanna get a low note out, clearly, if you have your head down, if you're aiming down, your low note's not gonna come out. And I think that's just a common misconception because when you think low, okay, I I need to aim low. And then Mm -hmm. you obviously tilt your head down. Um, Mm -hmm. And I could hear the note come out, but it was like a whisper. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so we were kind of working around some things, trying to find our sound a little bit more. And I was like, lift up your chin a little bit. I do this little thing where it's like, you take your thumb and the tip of your middle finger and you place your thumb on your chest and your middle finger underneath your chin, like in an L shape, I guess. I'm not literally tilting my chin upward when I have this in position, but it does feel that way. It is nice and elevated. It's just perfect enough for me to bring out my sounds a little bit more. And then when I made them do that and they played their low note, it came out really well and resonant. And I was like, see, if you tilt your head down, you're not gonna get that sound. (laughs) Like, why Mm -hmm. are you making your life more difficult? (laughs) If you need this low note out, just do this little trick, make your life a little bit easier, have that note come out a little clearer, and you'll get it. Mm -hmm. If I think about it, I've probably been in that same place before. I know I have been in that same place before.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, we were all beginners at one point. I like that he brings up that we are capable of doing hard tasks. I think he brings up, like, raising a child or starting a business or climbing Mount Everest, we're capable of doing hard tasks when we can see the outcome and we have the outcome as a very strong goal of ours, but we're only human. There are times and days when we don't feel like doing hard work and we feel like giving into ourselves. And again, that's a perfectly normal human reaction. We can't always push ourselves to do the hard thing and that's okay. So it's really important when you're feeling like you can't do the hard task, that you have the most possible working in your favor Mm -hmm. to have the least effort. The less friction that you have working against you, the more that you can do the thing. What
1: I thought was really neat about this is, I know he gives an example how like in the 70s, Japanese factories like assembled their workspace so that factory workers could focus a little bit more and get products created quickly and efficiently. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. he gave examples like cleaning your office space or something. And I completely relate to this because if I have a busy week ahead of me and I know that it's gonna be a little overwhelming, I don't like a cluttered space. Mm -hmm. at all. And I do find that whenever I organize and have some type of order in my loft, Mm -hmm. then I'm able to practice and concentrate a little bit more. I'm able to get things done. I'm able to focus on accomplishing the tasks that I need to get tasked when I have a clean space or an organized space. When I organized my laptop a few weeks ago, I've never felt so clear in my head like getting my work done on my laptop for like things I mm-hmm. need to get done, or like accessing like an email that I don't regularly access. It's a big difference in my productivity. It's a big difference in my
0: focus. I feel the same way. The more stuff that you can do ahead of time, mm-hmm. is going to help you do whatever the activity or the habit is that you want. Throughout this whole chapter, he basically says that you need to eliminate steps. Make everything convenient and make bad habits harder to access.
1: Yeah, like if you want to work out in the morning, but you have a hard time doing that, lay out your clothes. Yeah. Ready to go. And I've done that before plenty of times. Meal prepping is another thing. If you feel like you don't have enough time to cook yourself dinner or breakfast, but you have a long day, meal prep ahead of time. I did that. I would spend, before COVID especially, I would have a night where... I had all these groceries and I would meal prep. I would make myself Mm -hmm. like little egg sandwiches. I would cut up carrots and put them in snack baggies. Mm -hmm. I can just grab and go. I did not have to worry about it. It made my life so much easier. Did I lose that habit? Absolutely. (laughs) I absolutely did. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Thanks, COVID.
0: We both like making our lunches ahead of time. So that way we don't need to think about it during the day or... Mm -hmm. If I'm clinicianing or if David's going into work, it's easier to just grab the thing and go or grab it out of the fridge and put it in the lunchbox
1: yeah, than
0: sit there in the morning and assemble everything. It takes up so much time. Yeah. I used to be able to do it before COVID, but just getting back into it after COVID, I'm like, it's- how could... Before COVID, I used to be someone who could kind of just get up and go. Mm-hmm. I'd get up an hour before I had to leave the house and I would be able to drink my coffee, make my lunch, shower. How can you do that now? I can't. That's the thing.
1: I need more than an hour to get ready for the day now.
0: That's what um. I'm saying now. I can't do it anymore. So I need Ugh. to have everything working for me in the morning. That mm-hmm. means having my lunch prepped ahead of time, having breakfast easily accessible, having the coffee already made. Yeah. Sometimes showering at like later in the day instead of right in the morning.
1: What's helped me a lot, too, especially because there are
0: some days
1: where I have sectionals, but they're Mm -hmm. really early in the morning. I think this morning the sectional that I did is at 720 in the morning. That's early. And so if I have an early day, I like to have my bag already ready to go. Sometimes I write down notes what we did in the last sectionals or I look at the email from the teacher telling me, like, I would like you to work on this for today and then I put all the books that I need for that day like in my bag my flute my stand my little case full of pencils and my metronome any extra things I need for that class and I already have it ready to go in the morning that way I don't have to worry about assembling everything and forgetting anything I also have my Mm -hmm. ID badge out because sometimes I forget the ID badge, and I'm like crap (laughs) I don't want anybody like yelling at me like why are, are you an intruder that has helped me a lot, even at the coffee shop, because during the pandemic, I would work at LaBelle, like I would be there at six thirty, seven thirty in the morning, and I wouldn't leave until like 2.30 in the afternoon, sometimes later if I was doing like an extra thing. Mm-hmm. And so what would help me out is I would always bring two water bottles with me. And so I would have one already filled up, and then I would have my other one with me at all times at mm-hmm. night. And then I would extra fill that up in the day. But I would have a bag and I would have snacks prepared. I'd have my water bottles prepared and any like change of clothes or any extra items I would have in that bag ready to go. And it was so easy.
0: In COVID times, like last, oh gosh, it's 2022. So summer (laughs) of 20... (laughs) Uh, I still feel like it's 2019. (laughs) Summer... (laughs) Uh, I feel like my clock just stopped in March of 2020.
1: Is this 2020? I do 2021?
0: 2019? 2018? In summer of 2020, we sucked it up and bought a nice dumbbell set ranging from 5 to 50 pounds.
1: Oh, dang.
0: We didn't really have the money at the time to do it, but we thought it would be good for our mental health and our physical health cuz we weren't going to the gym. We canceled gym memberships cuz covid mm-hmm. and to save money. But now we have everything in the gym, so we eliminated a ton of steps by just <laughs> having everything at home. And I know that's not practical for everyone to have workout equipment at home. But even without that, I put my workout clothes instead of in a dresser in our closet in our master bedroom. We have the racks that you hang clothes on and then above it we have shelves and I just put all my workout clothes on the shelves so I can just pop in and grab the stuff instead of fiddling around. I just find that the less steps I have the more likely I am to do the thing. Yeah. And I cleaned up my desk
1: and I feel (laughs) so
0: great about it. I had a huge stack of papers on it. Doesn't it feel nice
1: to just get rid of the clutter?
0: It makes me want to come in here and work more.
1: Yes. I feel the same way here. Chapter 13, how to stop procrastinating by using the two-minute rule. Hey, Brittany, have you tried out the two-minute rule?
0: So speaking of procrastinating, (laughs) I stopped taking notes in this chapter, but I read it.
1: (laughs) I did write out some notes. For instance,
0: 40 to 50% of our actions are done out of habit. That's insane. I read that and I was like, no way. But then I thought through my day. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I guess, yeah. I gained the habit
1: of waking up very early in the morning, once upon a time in 2020. And now, even when I don't have to get up early, I still get up early. Basically, habits shape the actions that we make. It's kind of in correlation to the past chapter of how there's motion, like we have a motion for specific actions, but it's not going to actually happen until we do it. The actual action. And so some examples were Twyla Tharp, who is a famous dancer. She would get up early every morning and take a cab straight to the gym for a two-hour workout. Good for her. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I can do that. An hour Mm -hmm. at most. But, you know. I guess it wasn't her really getting up and working out at the gym that was the habit. It was her taking the cab ride.
0: Because she knew when she was in the cab that she had to go.
1: Yeah. Like, there's no turning back you're in the cab now it's the same thing like what he talks about how if you have a long day at work but you have written down like i need to work out what is gonna actually initiate like i'm going to work out sometimes it is putting out those clothes putting on your clothes that's gonna initiate you to go work out because it's like why are you wearing clothes (laughs) like workout clothes if you're gonna watch the office for the rest of the night you're frozen (laughs) like oh no You're like
0: real frozen.
1: Hello? Hey, you look kind of peppy. I am peppy because I just drank a cup of coffee from La Belle Rosette Espresso and Wine Bar. That's in Denver, right? Yep. We are located right across the street from the University of Denver. And do they have more than just espresso and wine? Yeah, we have breakfast
0: burritos, paninis, pastries, teas. We have a lot. If someone was walking through Denver, and let's say this person was me, and let's say I wanted a panini, when is LaBelle open so I can go and get one?
1: We are open from 7 to 5, Monday through Friday, 7 to 2 on Saturdays, 8 to 2 on Sundays. And if you use the code FPPODCAST, you'll get 15% off your order, whether you're in-store or online at LaBelleRosette.com.
0: That's a really good deal
1: totally a good deal and it's even a better deal when you get to see moi at the store is that a good deal uh, not really but i actually need to head to work right now because i'm gonna be late oh so i'm gonna go go to La Belle rosette oh. bye
0: right now drop <laughs> everything go I'm back. i'm also recording again wow that really sucked
1: I know. I honestly hate technology. And the thing is, it's like these big giant tech companies, you know, this was the time for y'all to step up and do something about how to control the internet to where it doesn't crap out every freaking 30 minutes.
0: Yeah. So Catherine's internet died. So we're able to get that figured out. But then we talk to each other on Zoom. Be- it's still dead. Because <laughs> we're on two different sides it's of the country, so it's dead. still dead. Because Zoom crashed, I don't know, something happened with my microphone and GarageBand. They stopped recording at the same rate. I couldn't get them to work together. So now we're FaceTiming on our phones and recording, and it's.
1: (laughs) This whole world is falling apart.
0: (laughs) But it's really good because we are still recording. We are not letting the bad friction stop us.
1: Oh my god. So much friction. So much friction. Where did we leave off? We
0: were at the beginning of chapter 13. Oh,
1: the two-minute rule. We were getting into the two-minute rule <laughs> for procrastinators. This
0: little break really took us one than two minutes, but
1: <laughs> that's what It came. did. It did. Yes, it did.
0: So Definitely. before technology just decided to completely work against us, I really wanted to talk about decisive moments. And I think it actually ties back into what we just went through. Mm-hmm. Because decisive moments are moments where... I believe like what you were saying previously, where you said you're kind of faced with a moment where you need to make a decision. Am I going to go on and do this habit and have a good result? Or am I going to choose to give in and have a quote unquote bad result? And I think the fact that we plowed through all of the technology errors, we both made a good decision and we're reinforcing our good podcasting habits and our good yeah. mental habits because we're like, hey, even though everything's throwing shit at us, we're still going to do our thing. We're still going to do our work. Even
1: though Catherine is crying because she is very stressed out at the moment, we're still
0: <laughs> yeah, for, and <laughs> still podcast. And, and even though I really <laughs> well, just want to take my MacBook and throw it across the room. You know how many
1: times I just want to, like, scream out into the wilderness of my frustrations with technology and everything that goes wrong?
0: Honestly, I feel that. I think that these decisive moments can really make or break your day. I think I think we're both going to come out of this feeling really good about it and really proud that we looked in the face of adversity and we're like, not today, Satan.
1: I think it's just so funny how different you sound on the phone compared to what <laughs> you sound on cell.
0: I don't have the nice microphone attached. <laughs> I know. It sounds
1: like we're on the phone and we're recording on our
0: phone. I know. Oh, probably, probably, it's a good thing <laughs> our audience doesn't have to listen to that yeah so just you make a bunch of decisions throughout the day <laughs> and it decides if you're gonna have a good a quote-unquote good day or quote-unquote bad day and yeah I put an example in my notes but I mean we have an example right here with this
1: yeah we're experiencing it currently so
0: in real time
1: good for you guys you guys get to witness
0: how we handle stress
1: <laughs> I don't handle it well Let's just be clear on that.
0: (laughs) So you know what a good thing to work on with stress is? The two minute rule. (laughs) That you're really excited to share.
1: Oh, yeah. So basically, I think it it was just pretty simple. He said like, habits should take less than two minutes to do. And if you want to go that extra mile, do it for two minutes. Like, if you want to go running, go running and stop at two minutes. (laughs) I liked how he was like, If you want to learn arabic learn it for two minutes and then stop and i was like that sounds complicated i've heard that arabic is hard
0: (laughs) i would learn nothing
1: maybe for mr clean it's easy but you know (laughs) mr clean also like i don't know if i can run for two minutes i think if i ran for two minutes i would make it one block and then i would be like i still want to go further
0: I think that's the whole point of the two minute rule is that it's to start a habit. So basically you make Mm -hmm. it less intimidating mentally and people realistically are going to do things for more than two minutes. So it's like if you're already doing the thing, if you're already set up to do the thing, you're going to be like, oh, that was only two minutes. I'm going to go longer.
1: One of the examples that he put down that I think is very true, I think it's just really hard to do and I'm not good at this whatsoever, is journaling. Because he brought up an example how, like, journaling, that's, like, an easy way to kind of do the two-minute rule is, like, just writing for two minutes. And Mm -hmm. I am not good at that whatsoever. I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate writing. And I think the reason why I hate it is because... I used to do it when I was younger, when I was, like, a kid. Obviously, like, when you're a kid. Dear
0: diary. Yeah, I'm
1: sure you've been given, like, a handful of freaking journals. I think that was, like, the Christmas and birthday gift everybody would give me because they didn't know what to buy for me. And I'm like, okay, thanks. (laughs) I have a journal. What do I write in this? I would write, like, really stupid things. And then my brother would take it and read it to his friends. And I was like, okay, I'm going to stop journaling now. This is not going to happen anymore. I'm done. (laughs) I've tried very, very, very hard to journal. I think the closest thing that I have done that is journaling related is my own practice journal. Like, that is something to me because I do set aside time to write down how I felt. For instance, like I do it, like if I do a warm up, I will do the warm up for a significant amount of time. And then mm-hmm. once I'm done with that actual warm-up, then I sit down and sometimes like what I'll do, I do this longer for two minutes. I try to give it like five minutes max. What I like doing is I like having like some music on in the background or maybe a podcast <laughs> on in the maybe background. Fiddle and pipe. Yeah, maybe fiddle and pipe. And <laughs> I just like having that in the background while I'm journaling. I know that's weird. I know that's Not everyone's forte, but that's just how I concentrate nowadays. Like, just having something in the background really just keeps me at ease. And I write down things that I not only notice in my own self when I'm playing, but, like, things that keep me concentrated, that help me stay focused. Was this helpful for me? Was this not helpful for me? What can I do in the future or practice or warm up to in the future to maybe go back to it and feel motivated to go back to it? But I do a lot of journaling in my practice time. It's more related to my music and stuff like that, but I don't do any like personal reflection or journaling. I know that not a lot of people like to hear that. I know a lot of people encourage journaling. I've tried it. I'm just not good at it.
0: <laughs> I think it would be nice if it was something that I would actually set aside time for and do. A part of my personal anxiety is I just have thoughts that circle around in my head. And I feel better when I talk to someone about it, or if I put it down to kind of help put every to like mm-hmm. sort everything out. And maybe using paper instead of another person is good for that. Yeah, in some situations, but I just
1: writing just really hurts.
0: <laughs> I can't write anymore. I don't have the callus for it anymore. I can't either. Chapter 14, which I think is our last chapter of this section.
1: How to make good habits inevitable and bad habits impossible. I'm in Cinderella mode, so that impossible is one of the songs. Impossible. Impossible. That's the Roger and Hammerstein Cinderella if you all are interested.
0: He just said that he was opening and closing the door because Bartok spilled water in his room.
1: Bartok, you're not making it easy. sucks.
0: Making everything difficult.
1: Speaking of making it difficult, that's what you can do to bad habits.
0: Bad. (laughs) Like Um, Bartok, bad.
1: Or um, I wrote down, if you want to make a bad habit difficult, just be like Victor Hugo being half naked in his cold ass house writing The Hunchback of Notre Dame so he wouldn't be tempted to skip outside and be social. (laughs) so basically he starts out the chapter like how victor hugo was like procrastinating a deadline because he Mm -hmm. was being social and then his publisher was like okay you have six months go and so he basically just told his like assistant or something like put away all my clothes and i'm just gonna have this like shawl and stay at my house and write a book and he did. Mm-hmm. He wrote The Hunchback of Notre Dame while he pretended he was one. And look at that. He broke his bad habit of going out and being social, and he wrote an entire book.
0: Yeah, I remember when I was auditioning for undergrad, I basically put myself on house arrest for a month or two before that, the practice. <laughs> house arrest?
1: You're like, I can't leave.
0: Where I was like, I did a little bit of socializing, Because I had a boyfriend at the time, but I really didn't do that much for Mm. a high school senior, so.
1: You were way more committed than I was. (laughs) Commitment devices is basically what Victor Hugo did. He committed to, like, okay, I'm going to stay in my house, and I am in the cold-ass dead of winter. And I'm going to write a book. And he wrote it early. So basically, a commitment device makes your bad habit difficult. I like one of the things, I mean, maybe this is bad timing because my internet is off. (laughs) But if you're on the internet for too long and that's keeping you up at night, having a timer or something that turns off your internet at a specific time, basically telling you like, hey, go to bed. That is a commitment device.
0: Or if you... Or an impulsive shopper, maybe taking the Amazon app off your phone.
1: Or just take out your credit card number. Don't have it saved on your phone. Don't have it saved on your laptop or anything. When I was cleaning out my laptop, I was like cleaning out passwords as well and information that is already saved. I guess like it cleared out like my credit card (laughs) number for a lot of things, which I'm okay with. I'm okay with because when you have it saved on your phone or on your laptop, like all the information saved, it's easy to buy something like that.
0: Yeah, because it's like a one-click purchase.
1: But when you actually have to like put in manually like your credit card information, that's when I don't want to buy anything. And I'm like, oh, I have to really? get up and find my wallet? I'm okay. <laughs> so like,
0: I, I don't need it.
1: That's what I think. I'm like, yeah, I don't need to buy this. And you know, that has helped me with some things that I didn't really need to buy. So thanks, Commitment Devices. You'll work.
0: Apple will put a new update on their phone where you can have set up different focuses for sleep and personal and work where basically you turn off or mute different conversations, Mm -hmm. either texts or calls or apps. David and I usually go to bed together and we read. Mm -hmm. And I've started putting my phone on the sleep mode, which I have it set to allow calls from everyone just in case of emergency and to only let texts come from david so like if he's out and about his text will still come through
1: i need this update i
0: need yeah you should you should update it it's great crap (sighs) but i've started doing it just when i get into bed and not when i sleep and it helps me focus a lot more on reading and decompressing instead of sitting there and absentmindedly scrolling social media i need that or yeah my text that i didn't (laughs) pay attention to during the day I used
1: to do airplane mode a lot when I was practicing because I used to get, especially in music school, especially in grad school, because I was on social media all the time. I used to get just caught up sitting on my phone and scrolling through Instagram when I knew I needed to be practicing. And it's so easy to get caught in that trap. And one thing Mm -hmm. that helped me out was just putting my phone on airplane mode and keeping it on airplane mode. And I would also time myself. So I would do like 30 minute increments, like I would have a timer on and I would spend like 30 minutes on one thing, then my timer would go off. And then if I needed to take a break, I would do it. If I wanted to do the scroll, I did it, then I would time myself as well, maybe for like five or 10 minutes, then get back into it. I stopped doing that, obviously. (laughs) But it was more of a routine that I did before COVID. But I do remember it helped me stay focused, especially when I had auditions happening maybe i should do that
0: wouldn't be a bad idea wouldn't be a bad idea i don't think it's a bad thing if you need help from something outside of yourself to make poor choices or actions less tempting yeah and less convenient less Mm -hmm. easy
1: i like how he talks about technology i mean we've basically kind of talked about how in some ways, technology has helped us, like, with mm-hmm. these things. You've mentioned the update. I've mentioned airplane mode. He talks about how technology automates some of our habits,
0: for instance. Like DoorDash. I think about it, it's like, you know cart. how
1: if you have, like, a bill to pay and you can do, like, an automatic payment on it?
0: Mm. Oh, okay. You're talking about the good kind of automation, not the bad the good kind of automation.
1: Kind of, yeah, I'm talking about the good because he talks about good and bad. So, like,
0: mm, I think, the
1: like, good things would be, like, If you have a prescription refill, I have a prescription refill for something and I don't have to think about it. I mean, I did have to think about it when the year went up, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) most months out of the year, I don't have to worry about it because I know it's automatic. Same with my Comcast bill. It's automatic. It should have gone through. Why is my internet out? I don't know why Comcast. Is it because I have another router that's not yours? Are you butthurt about that? Maybe you should stop being butthurt (laughs) about that and actually... Provide better internet service because I'm thinking about cutting you off, Comcast.
0: You know, if you call them and say that, they'll make your bill less. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. I have an automatic payment
1: from that bill, so. But there are bad things like DoorDash.
0: Well, sometimes things like DoorDash can be great because, I mean, it's happened to us once or twice where we plan to make something and we either screw it up or we're like, we're missing an ingredient and it's late. So sometimes it really saves the day, but sometimes mm-hmm. it's also just really tempting to have it on your phone, and you're like, eh, I don't want whatever for dinner. I'd rather spend $30 on a meal for myself.
1: Like that one time we ordered McDonald's?
0: Yeah, but that was for three people.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was so worth it.
0: Sometimes it is worth it, but it can definitely be... I mean, there's a, there's a meme floating around on Facebook where it's like, why would I want to drive five minutes to get food when I can pay DoorDash $90 to bring it to me? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's true. It
1: is very true. He talks about how social media, like, in part of technology, is also a distraction in a way that could be, I guess, like, take you away from, like, your habits, I'm assuming, or, like, lose your focus. Mm-hmm. I think we just get in the habit of scrolling through our feed so much that we just lose focus of other things that we need to get to. Been so guilty of that a million Mm -hmm. times within the last six, seven years. Not going to lie. But I like how he basically talked about how he got distracted with social media so much that he made his assistant actually change his passwords to everything every week. And I was like, damn.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's too much for me. I couldn't do that.
1: That's too much for me. If I had an assistant, yes. But I don't have that time. (laughs) I just put myself on airplane mode.
0: <laughs> I like the section where he talks about one-time actions that lock in good habits.
1: Mm-hmm. Kind
0: of going back to automation is not just technology, but when you put things on autopilot, I guess for lack of a better word, it can really enhance your life or detrimental to your life. Some things like you know, moving to a social neighborhood, buying a good mattress, having good supportive shoes... One thing was get vaccinated. I saw that too. <laughs> I just want to point that out. I mean, this book was written in 2018, but...
1: I like the productivity unsubscribe from emails. You know how many emails I have unsubscribed to within the last month?
0: I do it as they come in.
1: Oh, it's so nice to just unsubscribe. Nothing feels better than clicking unsubscribe to things mm-hmm. that you subscribed to years ago. And you're like, why am I still... Getting information about this stupid product that I don't care about that I used once.
0: Oh, you unchecked all these boxes except our marketing box.
1: <laughs> Use email filters to clear up your inbox. That's a good one. That's a good one-time action. Delete games and social media apps on your phone. I've definitely been there. I think one time I was like, I knew I was getting consumed with social media a lot, so I actually deleted my Instagram and Facebook apps on my phone and I, this was around the time I was doing my master's recital I believe and I knew that I needed to spend time on that and I was so busy so I had those apps off and I'll be really honest I felt so good having them off focusing on what was happening in the present what I needed to focus on and then I put them back up
0: I reorganized <laughs> my phone maybe um two months ago and instead of just having everything all over my phone I put everything into folders marked like exercise or social media or Mm. food or whatever and it's funny how little it takes to discourage people or encourage people because all my apps that are in social media I feel like I click on them less because I have to click on the folder and then I have to like know that I'm on social media Mm -hmm. does that make any sense? No,
1: that makes sense, because I have it organized in the same way, too. I have all these folders on my phone. I have a social media folder, and I have the apps that I use most often at the front, but it does take me, like, instead of it being right there, I have to, like, click through it to get to Mm -hmm. it, and I've consumed less. I mean, I'm on social media a lot, but I have been on it less because of that. It also just helps me stay organized and feel less cluttered, so... That's also a plus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some really the um, good ones. Like, happiness. I like how under happiness it says get a dog, but it doesn't say get a cat. Uh,
0: probably because he looked Bartok dead in the eye, and he was like, oh, that's not easy. That's hard.
1: Yeah, he was like, oop, no. And then he saw Valkyrie, and he was like, that's easy. <laughs> and he's like,
0: yes. When I got ViviCat in Milwaukee, that made me so happy. Because I lived in an apartment by myself. I could go out and socialize when I wanted to and just come back into my house, but or my apartment. But my apartment just seemed so sad. And then I got a cat, and I was like, wow. And I didn't realize how good it is to share space with another being and to come home and have something happy to see me.
1: Now you can come home to three felines and one canine and get <laughs> quadruple the dose of happiness.
0: Yes, I have all the serotonin and dopamine.
1: Exactly. And you've developed good habits like you go running with Valkyrie. Yes. And now you guys have hit a goal of running a 5k together.
0: Yes, and Valkyrie actually encourages me and to an extent David too to get out more because we feel bad when we don't give her oh, like the attention or the energy that she needs.
1: The amount of times I've spent outside because of Jack is astounding. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, oh, you want to go on a walk? Well, we can also go on a ride and we can go to a park and we don't even just have to do that. We can climb a mountain. (laughs) And you've developed very healthy habits having a dog out of pure happiness.
0: And at the end of the day, I end up very satisfied, which will bring us next week to our fourth law uh which is make it satisfying ah it is it is true
1: now satisfied because my internet finally decided to come back up hey comcast N-
0: now that we're ending
1: <sighs> rate us spread the word to your friends especially if they're learning to find easy habits to make their lives easier if they're very overwhelmed and you know, this book is a must read It really is. And honestly, these sections, they look long, but, like, when you look at the table of contents, you're like, oh, this is a lot of stuff. But I breezed through this section and last week's section, like,
0: yeah it's a really easy read it's really nice to pick up you don't feel intimidated and like i said either it's the beginning of this episode or the beginning of last episode instead of beating you up because you're a piece of shit human it's like oh this is kind of how we're naturally tuned and here's how you can work it to your advantage
1: oh i didn't even realize this there's a quote at the back of this book by somebody that we know do you want me to read it go for it a supremely practical and useful book James Clear distills the most fundamental information about habit formation so you can accomplish more by focusing on less. Quoted by Mark Manson, who is also the author of The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're listening to this episode with this book, Atomic Habits, but you haven't listened to The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, then go back to previous episodes because we talk a lot about that book. And Mark Manson's a great author, so check mm-hmm. it We'll see you next week. Hopefully y'all have an easy week for an easy life. And we'll see you then. Bye. Bye.